Isn't that amazing how we can uh, just let a year go by and come back to these carols and we then sing them, we share them, we lift them up as a community in light just, you know, of all that has transpired and for us just in weeks past with, again, more mass shootings. And it certainly elevates our calling to be a people praying for and working for peace, justice, the restoration of shalom in our world. Well, we're going to be talking about that a bit more today on the day that we do light our peace candle. We've lit our peace candle, and we're going to be looking at some of our favorite Christmas uh, symbols here this morning, what I hope would become some new favorite Christmas symbols. So what are some of our favorite Christmas symbols? Maybe I'll just actually get you to engage with me here. Shout out a favorite symbol of Christmas. Anyone? Anyone? A Christmas tree, a Christmas tree, a great sign, the evergreen tree pointing to the everlasting life and hope that we have in Jesus Christ. I love that one. That's a good one. What's another favorite one? Somebody? Uh, the star. I heard a star. We got the star right there. The star that led the Magi to the newborn king. The stars that shone bright on the morning was born to the shepherds. Yeah, we got to love uh, Christ, our new uh, uh, um, the, the, the newborn star there. So uh, what else? What else do we... Angels, angels, that's... Oh, my goodness, yes, angels. The, ha the hands of the angels all over the Christmas story. I mean, my goodness, angels appearing to, to uh, Zechariah and to Mary and to the shepherds and to Joseph and a dream. Yeah, angels all over it. Baby Santa, what? Baby Santa? <laughs> I love that one. Oh, my goodness, that is a new one. We are going to have a new Christmas... <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, baby Jesus. The main, I mean, the manger is, of course, uh, we're just going to love that one and make a, uh, a TikTok clip of that now, Heather. Thank you very much. We love baby Santa at Christmas time. We are allowed to laugh and have fun and worship, friends. Well, I'm going to introduce you to what I hope are some new Christian symbols this morning. Let me remind you of what we uh, talked about for uh, just briefly last week. All of these signs, all of these symbols, remember, they can be abused or they can be used. Uh, they can become idols. And we know that the Bible warns us against idolatry. Idolatry is anything that gets really between us and our view, our understanding, our relationship of God. Jesus, the whole scriptures give us all kinds of warnings about idolatry. And we know that the world is like, that's so weird. But we know as a people of faith who lead into these things, we recognize and we see in our own lives, yeah, things can become idols. Um, for example, we know, is money evil? No, Jesus says the love of money can be the root of all kinds of evil when it becomes an idol, when it absorbs all of our time, all of our attention, all of our faith, all of our hope, all of our love. Whenever we're like, like money is going to be it, the Bible's like, nope, it's become an idol. So we don't allow things to become idols. We want them to be icons. Just like the light shines through the window when we don't worship the window, we recognize the light, the light of God that shines through. So we want all of these symbols to, in a sense, grab our focus and then point past themselves onto God. So we, again, we look at the star and we are reminded of Jesus Christ. We look at the manger and we think of his incarnation. We look at a tree and we think of the everlasting life we have in Jesus Christ. Make sense? Make sense? So that's just the encouragement for the whole Christmas season, that we always see all these signs, these symbols, uh, and they become icons for us, drawing our attention to Jesus Christ. 
John is going to introduce us to a couple potential new symbols for Christmas that maybe we haven't considered before. I know that I really haven't considered these deeply until this past uh, season. Now, how about the sign of a path or a road? Have we thought about that as a symbol of Jesus Christ? We could just think about this path right here that leads our children down to the front, that leads us out of worship. How about the path as a symbol for Christmas? and the path that God makes for us through Jesus Christ. How about a river? There's gonna be a river in today's story. We have the symbol of water often in worship. We usually keep a little baptismal font over there, but how about water as a symbol for Christmas? How about, we're gonna, we're gonna get a little, more, uh, a little more intense right here. How about an ax? Did anybody notice the ax that I have over there and wonder what is going on? There's an ax with baby Jesus. Oh yes, an ax will appear very prominent in today's reading and you might be surprised by it. How about a fire? Not just like the candles, but like the actual fire, the flame, the cleansing, purifying flame of fire as a symbol for Christmas. Well, I'm gonna read to you what is for many of us a very unexpected Christmas story. But this is one of the reasons why we celebrate Advent and we just don't go to the nostalgic, easy things. We go into the deeper truths revealed for us in scripture. And that is clearly what is happening today as our Advent series encourage us to read again, not just kind of about babies and swaddling clothing, but what this babe born means what he means for our world and what he can mean for our lives. So we're gonna look to Matthew chapter three, gonna read verses one through 12 and listen for, listen for these new signs and symbols of what Christmas can mean here. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight paths. Say straight paths. Thank you. I love it when you help me out. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized. Say baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax, say the ax. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Say fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Ooh, this is the word of our Lord. So Will Williman in his little Advent devotional tells a great story. And I could relate to this because my brother actually had this experience. Um, that's a whole nother story in itself. But 
he was pastoring a church in rural Georgia, and one of his parishioners had a relative who passed away. So Will Willimon decided he would go to the funeral service of the relative of one of his parishioners just to show pastoral love and support. He made the drive, they got to the country church, and the funeral began. And as Will tells the story, he was absolutely appalled. Maybe even more than appalled, he was actually a bit outraged. The preacher got up on stage and the preacher began pacing the pulpit stage and he began to scream and shout, it's too late for Joe, Joe's gone, Joe is dead, but it's not too late for you. Today is the day of repentance. You can give your lives to Jesus Christ. It's too late for Joe. People die all the time and you don't know when your time. He just went on and on as Will tells the story, calling the people to give their lives to Jesus Christ. Will, he says, walked out and he was truly appalled. He got in the car, began driving home with his wife and he said, this is just pastoral malpractice, manipulation, guilt and shame in the midst of people's grief. He just went on and on and on. And his wife listened quietly. When he finally settled down a bit, she simply looked over him and said, and you know what the worst part of it all is? It's all true. It's all true. Yes, there may be a time for some pastoral decorum and care, but the heart of the truth is sometimes offensive and certainly can rub us the wrong way. And if we're listening and if we're paying attention and if we're not just looking for swaddling clothes and babies and angels singing, there is an offensive message to Christmas coming to each and every one of us. Listen to John's message. Listen and look at him. Look at his dress. He's dressing in camel's hair and a leather belt. You know who that reminded everybody of? The prophet Elijah. Who does he think he is imitating the greatest of all the prophets, imitating Elijah? Who does he think he is? Spoiler alert, Jesus is gonna tell us even better, but that hasn't been revealed just yet. Look at what he's eating. He's eating locust and wild honey. You know what that is? That's the food of the poor. Those who don't have the privilege to eat the kosher food prepared for them in the right ways, they have to be lowered to eating locust and honey. Who does he think he is associating with the poor people like that? Look at his message, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Repent because the kingdom of heaven is near. Who does he think he is to tell us heaven is coming near to us now. Listen to his critique, you brood of vipers. Oh my goodness, you don't have to pay too much attention to know how offensive that is. Wait a second, John, are you actually comparing us to the one who deceived Adam and Eve and led them and all of humanity into sin? Are you actually saying that we could be leading people away from God and into sin? Listen, listen to his warning. Bear fruit in accordance with genuine repentance or perhaps experience the unquenchable fire of purification and refinement. Listen to his claim. Be baptized, each and every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins, but know that one is coming after me who will baptize all with spirit and with fire, purifying and refining all of his people. 
Yes, we know that the message of John is profoundly and deeply offensive. And just to be clear, if any of us are already thinking, I'm on John's side of the Jordan. Oh, no, 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 no. He's telling each and every one of you, you who put so much prestige on your pedigree, on your corner office, on the degrees and the letters after your name, on the paycheck you bring home, on the quality of your home, on the kind of car that you drive, that you maybe even go to the right kind of church, that you hold the right kind of beliefs. He's warning each and every one of us that true repentance, true repentance is something much, much deeper than many of us have gone through than perhaps most of us have actually experienced in our lives. If we are paying attention to his message, then the worst thing about it is that everything that he says is true. It's true. But there is good news to this message of John because it's not too late for us. And I'm not going to imitate a country preacher because that wouldn't be authentic for me. But to say the great news, the good news is that it isn't too late for any of us. We can hear the message. We can repent. We can turn our lives to Jesus Christ. We can't ask for the forgiveness of sins. We can work for the purifying, cleansing uh, spirit to come through our lives and to begin refine us so that we might bear fruit in accordance with the will of God, so that we could be bearing the true fruits of loving God and loving our neighbor, that we could be bearing the fruits of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness just as God would desire for each and every one of our lives. This is good news that it's not too late for any of us who have ears to hear and hearts to believe and are willing to repent, to turn and give our lives to Jesus Christ. Okay, amen, amen. All right, all right, we'll put a pin on that. Let's just back up for a second and then we're gonna have some fun, I think, unpacking the message of John and what it means for us, what it can mean for us in our world. Um, but we are in our Advent season. And again, some of you, this is gonna be um, a, a, a one in the line of a great history of celebrating the Advent season. For some of us, maybe this is our first time with this thing called Advent. What does Advent mean? Anybody remember? Arrival, arrival, to arrive, Advent, the Advent. So again, we can say like my, my package from Amazon has Advented, it has arrived, but we don't because that sounds weird even though we are weird as Christians. Remember, oh, and it's our Christian New Year. Some people were intrigued by that. No, we are not Gregorians, we're Christians. Remember, we align with Jesus Christ, so it's our New Year. We're stepping into a new rhythm of life. And the whole point of it, and, and you just have to like pause for a moment and get this, that we celebrate the first arrival of Jesus Christ as promised, incarnate, born for us to be our savior, this points us to and directs us to what is now the reality that we are anticipating and eagerly praying for his second arrival, his arrival as king and judge and bringing with him the whole kingdom of heaven. And so that's kind of this point of this arrival season. Jesus arrived, hallelujah, praise God. That is in a sense our evidence, our proof, our reason for having hope, for having peace, for having joy, for having love because Christ is born. We do work towards his arrival in our lives each and every day. When we come together, we celebrate the sacraments, baptism and communion. We're gonna talk a little bit more about baptism here in a little bit, but last week we took communion so that he could arrive 
in our lives. And we are anticipating and praying for his arrival. Last week, we really focused on um, that uh, just the beginning of the hope of Christmas, the hope of his arrival. We already lit our peace candle and we kind of again hopefully saturated this time of worship with this prayer for peace, for righting every wrong, welcoming the shalom, the restoration of God's kingdom for all of eternity here on earth as in heaven, all that good stuff. And now we're gonna go a little bit deeper into this message. And as we do that, we are looking at John's message today. John's message and these symbols that he gives us of this road, of this river, of this axe, of this fire, this purifying, refining fire. What we learn right out of the gate from the story of John here is that John had a calling on his life. That's very much a part of our mission here at Connections Church. We have a pithy little statement. We hope it kind of hooks people and maybe draws them in and gets them thinking about their own life in relation to God. We talk about connecting with your calling, right? I hope you've heard that. I hope you're familiar with that. I hope that's helpful for you. We actually believe that God has a call. God is calling to every man, woman, and child, every human being on earth. God is calling us. First, we would say God is calling us to a relationship with himself through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and by the filling and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can be called into new life through Jesus Christ. But a part of that calling isn't just you know, like new life for then and there, but new life here and now, a calling on our lives to know him, to love him, to serve our neighbors, to do his will, to do his works, to figure out who and how he made us to be, whether that be sharing gifts in worship uh, or in hospitality or serving our kids or being the hands and feet in the community, which we are all called to be and do. So we love this idea that God has a calling on all lives. But what we have right here in John is he has a very specific calling, a very specific calling. And his calling was going to be to, anybody catch it and remember it, to prepare the way for the Lord. And as I think about it, reflect upon it, uh, you know, there's something great about this is because, you know, none of us can be Jesus. There's something about Jesus that, yes, he is our role model. Yes, we aspire to live a life like he does. But, you know, first and foremost, the beginning is that Jesus is God and Savior, and we are not God and Savior. So the beginning, you know, of the relationship with Jesus is submitting, laying down, bowing down our lives, and we worship and know him as Lord and Savior. But there's something I love about John, though, that is then so relatable, that we too can share in this calling in our own way to be a people who prepare the way who prepare that path. Preparing that path, preparing that way would have resonated quite clearly in the imagination and the minds of the first listeners. Because anytime that a, a governor, an official or, or a king, a Caesar, somebody of great importance, there would be heralds the herald angel saying, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try and get through this kind of as, as quick as I can, so I need you to keep up with me. There will be heralds who would come and say, the king is, is coming. You need to prepare the way. So one of the first things that they do is they would actually literally go out and prepare the way. They'd say, okay, if the king is coming, somebody of great importance is about to arrive, we need to make sure that the path has been made ready. So they would literally go out and they would straighten the pass. They'd fill the potholes. They'd get all the animal junk out of the way. They would prepare the way. We see this in Palm Sunday. We can project ahead just for a moment what happens whenever Jesus is preparing 
to come into the city that we know will become his time for sacrifice, that he's going to become that Passover sacrifice. Just in the spirit of things, what people were hoping and believing, they prepared the way for Jesus, not fully understanding what he was going to do and what all it would mean. But they went out, they laid down their clothes, they started to sing, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the son of David, they were expecting the king. They were preparing the way. John is telling us, prepare the way for Jesus to arrive. And that's something that we can all embrace, a preparing of the way. We like to prepare the way for worship here at Connections Church. Marv gets here and starts to make the coffee first thing in the morning. Ruth and her team get here and they start to get the classrooms ready to welcome our kids. The musicians and the, our tech team, they get here and they start to get the worship service ready. So you can come here and have this, hope we pray is this amazing experience of lifting his praises and lifting our prayers and hearing God's word. We prepare the way for worship for all of you. And we hope that it might be prepared for others to come and join us. Amy Lewinstra and, and her team, they do a great work with our website because, you know, the website is kind of like the new front door to church. Probably everybody here checked out our website before you ever came here for the first time. And so you'd been here before the website existed. But now that's always the answer to the question. Hey, how'd you find us? It's either you got invited and somebody brought you here or we found you on the web. So we should have a great website preparing the way for people to find us and to hear the good news. We should have a great podcast out there. So people that are trying to look, listen to things online can find the gospel being shared. We should be preparing the way by our Christmas giving trees, for example. That's how we prepare the way. We go over to our neighbors across the street. We simply say, thank you team who did this, Cheryl and others. We simply say, are there any families who are in need? We actually found out there were a lot of families in need. And we're like, oh, well, we got to tap the brakes on this. How about giving us maybe like a half a dozen or so families because they had a lot of needs over there. Uh, so we found out those needs. We made ornaments. I looked out there today. Almost all the ornaments are gone. I don't know, Cheryl, maybe we need an update. Maybe we're, Cheryl, maybe we're going to need more ornaments. I, I, I mean, you're going to give us an update later, right? I mean, you are preparing the way when you're serving our neighbors across the street. You are beginning to prepare the way uh, when, whenever we uh, are going to continue our ministry with the Severe Weather Shelter Network. I know Robin and I and some others, we actually spent the night sheltering, the night that I sheltered. There was 22 guests who came in for shelter and a hot meal. I mean, it's amazing. There's so, I mean, it'll, it'll break your heart and it'll lift your spirits in a crazy way. They are so grateful. They are so grateful to receive shelter and a warm meal on a cold night. We've been contacted uh, just this past week, uh, the Winter Shelter Network, and I know it can get confusing. Um, that's a more local ministry to women and children. And they said they, now that the nights are getting cold, they said that they are getting requests for shelter. And so I'm going to bring before the board, I'm going to bring it before you now, kind of like putting the cart before the horse. But they are asking us to open up again starting in January because they're getting calls now that people are wanting sheltered. And we're going to explore if we can again work to open up our doors to shelter people. So all, all of these things are ways that we prepare the way for people to experience Jesus Christ in their lives. John doesn't just say prepare the way. What we understand in preparing the way is uh, getting that road ready is that we have to clear some things out. Some things get in the way of the road getting 
prepared. Uh, I'm reminded that my idea of preparation isn't the same as Robin's idea of preparation. You know, just the other week we had Thanksgiving and we had some of our kids were gonna be able to make it home. So I was like, oh, I'll prepare the way, it'll be great. So I put away some shoes, I hung up some, some, uh, hung up some coats and I ran the vacuum and Robin was like, oh, you think that preparing the way, you have no idea, George. And thus began the trips to Costco and to King Supers and the cookies and the pies and the meals and, and stripping the beds and washing the sheets and getting the rooms ready and lighting scentsy candles all over the, I, I, you know, her level of preparation is way more than my level of preparation. And that's kind of, again, what John is saying. If you, if you really understood, if you really got who Jesus was and is and what his arrival means, you're going to look a little bit closer. You're gonna do a little bit more work to prepare the way. You're not just gonna brush some things under the carpet. You're gonna do the proverbial deep clean. You're gonna do the deep clean of your house if the king is coming. And you're going to want to do the deep clean of your life if you know you're about to stand before a king. And that is then the heart of this offensive, this shocking, um, uh, this in your face kind of message from John the Baptist. I want you to do this deeper clean of your lives. And that deeper clean is of course this idea of, of repenting. Repenting so that we can experience Jesus Christ arriving in our lives. He has a very, very stern warning that tempers then everything I just said and helps us to understand what preparing really looks like. Whenever I say we prepare the way for worship here at Connections Church, when we wanna make it easy to find us on the web, we wanna make it easy to come here and worship God, when we make it easy to check our kids into a worship service, when we make it easy for you to serve our neighbors across the street. Understand that in light of John's message, in his stern warnings to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders. Uh, th that's, that's not the same thing as kind of dumbing down the message or, or rounding off the sharp corners of this call to repentance. He is inviting us to this deeper, more thorough examination of our lives. His critique is very specific, of course. He says, you brood of vipers. And, and what he calls out in their lives as he says, I know that you're actually putting too much weight on your heritage, on your pedigree. You're putting far too much weight on simply saying, we too are children of Abraham. And now we think that is so far removed from our lives. Oh, this group of people who would think that just because of where they were born and to whom that they were born, that they stand above all others. But I think it... Uh, maybe behooves us to examine where we think we stand because of where we have been born or where we think we stand because of our own pedigree or we think where we stand because of things that maybe we've achieved in our own lives. I won't go too deep into this, but I will say there has been for many of us what seems to be a shocking and very disturbing rise of Christian nationalism in our own culture here. Now remember, Christian nationalism is far different from just a healthy and godly patriotism, a patriotism that recognizes we live in a wonderful time and a wonderful place 
and we enjoy many, many freedoms for which many have paid a great price and for which we enjoy and for which we give great thanks. Patriotism for the gifts of God and for the way that God is reflected in countries and cultures in nations and ethnicities and tribes and tongues. That is a glorious and beautiful thing. But whenever it tips to a nationalism, it says that we've risen above all others. We do recognize that starts to get into a dangerous and, and here's the point, swinging us back around to where we started, a dangerous and idolatrous position in life. I think Jesus might have some things to say about our current climate and culture that has risen to Christian nationalism that has allowed us to have an idolatrous view of ourselves. And he's calling us to repent from that. And what I love is our own community of gathering is bringing that in front of us all the time. As I look around the room here, I see Brazilians, I see Chinese, I see Koreans, I see Filipinos, uh, I see Dutch. I see, yeah, sorry, the Dutch just beat America, so maybe that's a sore spot right now in the World Cup. But recognizing that God has been at work in all of these places, in all of these nations, in all of these people, and now they're streaming to worship here, Oh, what a beautiful thing. And, and let me just then say as your pastor, and now we'll get on with this. We never want a Christian nationalism to rise above our family and in the nation, our belonging to the nation, to the people being citizens of heaven and of the kingdom of God. That is our first allegiance. That is our first love. Jesus is who we worship. And we come together in and through him and the work of the spirit in our lives. So, yeah, there are some things that we need to be aware of, we need to be considering, we need to be thinking about. Because just making it easy, you know, making it easy, you know, John preached a hard message. He, he didn't shy away from that hard message. And that's actually, that's actually when I, when I was writing this, and I'd write something, and then I'd delete it, and then write it again, and be like, oh, how deep am I getting to Christian nationalism? And, oh, geez, is that going to offend somebody? And, oh, we're behind the budget. I don't want to offend anybody. You know, I mean, all these things go through, go through your, the, the preacher's head, you know? I mean, I don't want to, like, turn you off so much that you don't come back and keep hearing good news. But then it kind of dawned on me, and this goes back to some things I mentioned last week, you're already weird. <laughs> You're already people celebrating the Christian New Year. You already got up, got out of bed, got dressed, and you came here to worship God. And that's just not normal anymore. <laughs> that's just not typical anymore. That used to be expected of so many. And now it is, in fact, rather unexpected, right? Isn't it rather unexpected when you're having a conversation with somebody and they ask you to do something and your answer might need to be, um, actually, I'm going to be at church worshiping. I can't be there. I can't do that. What? <laughs> so that actually emboldens me to not shy away from, of course, declaring the good news to you, but also sharing the harder news, the harder truths, the deeper truths of God. I actually just have kind of recognized over the course of the pandemic and coming through it and where we're at now, I've actually gotten a lot more bolder in my preaching in a lot of ways because I know if anybody is going to be here, they're willing to engage at a much deeper level. And I just praise God for that. So again, you're getting sort of the unvarnished, you know, uh, nonchalant, you know, just, just, just here's the truth. Okay, and the truth is, of course, he's saying, bear fruit then in accordance with true repentance. 
And so what John has pointed out, out to us is two other symbols, and we're going to wrap this up a little bit quicker here now, is he says, be baptized. Baptism is that sign and that seal of, for many of us, that moment of conversion. Some of us were baptized in infants, and then we make a profession of faith. Maybe some of us who have never been baptized, we need to consider if God has been doing a work in our lives, has the time come for us to go through those waters of baptism to come out the other side of the promises of God. This is very real for the people that are hearing John's first message. They were literally coming out. He was making it, and again, it's this kind of like make it easy, but give them the truth. He's like, okay, if you wanna know the truth, come on out into the desert, get out from all the distractions of the city, get out from all the things that are preoccupying your life, things you have to do at work, the things you have to do at home, the things going on with your families, get away from all that, put all that aside and come way out into the wilderness and come to the Jordan River. And whenever the people stood there, there would have been this powerful reminder, this kind of living reality that a thousand years earlier, the whole nation, the whole people of God came out of captivity, out of slavery in Egypt. They wandered through the desert. They had to have this kind of purifying season, being kind of wandering for 40 years. And when they were finally ready, when their hearts were ready, they came to the Jordan River and they passed through the Jordan into the promised land of God. And John was saying, it's time for you to pass through those waters again. It's time for you to pass through those waters again and experience this new promise that is coming to us through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This new power that will be at work, this new promise that will be at work in your life, and that is the promise of the Holy Spirit who will dwell in you. And so baptism for us becomes this celebration, this moment when God calls us into his promised land of life with Jesus Christ and all the blessings that come there. And I want you to know that Pastor Ruth has been working with some of your children and some of your children actually, and you know who you are, have actually come forward and said, we want to celebrate baptism. And amen, amen, because we have just approved that we are gonna do a baptism service on December 18th, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after. And you're like, what does baptism have to do with Christmas? everything <laughs> and i love this and i'm so excited for this because what could be more precious more christmassy than to bring that river of jordan here than to bring that baptismal font out and i'm just thinking about it boy i have to do a lot of things we have to move that over there and do that and anyways we're going to get a baptism font there and we're going to welcome children into the family of god joe is gone remember where i started joe's gone joe he died <laughs> But it's not too late for you. If you want to be baptized, if you want to pass through those waters, if God has been doing a work in your life and you're ready to declare your faith and your life and your allegiance with him and your, your partnership and you're being a part of the body of Christ here, talk to me, talk to one of our leaders, talk to Pastor Ruth, and let's bring you through those waters of baptism as we come into our celebration of Christmas this year. But that's just the start. Get baptized, that's the first sign of repentance. But then the other sign of repentance is this bearing fruit. And that is that hard work of God in our lives. And he tells a story and we know the story. Uh, any tree that, uh, well, so here's what Jesus does. Jesus is gonna pick up this imagery that John preaches right here because then in Jesus's ministry, there's gonna be time when he's gonna say, I am the true vine. 
and you are the branches. And what does he say he's going to do to every branch that bears fruit? To every branch that bears fruit, guess what? You're going to get pruned. What? Oh, no, no. He's like, you're going to get pruned and you're going to get pruned. And I, <laughs> you're going to get said, if you are bearing fruit, great. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep pruning you because any branch that bears fruit, I'm going to celebrate that. But you know what I want from your life? More fruit more fruit with each and every passing season. I'm going to keep pruning things in your life so that you may bear even more fruit for the kingdom of God. And some of us can testify to this fact that throughout our lives, no matter how long it's been, but it's like each and every year we go through these episodes, we go through these moments, we go through these experiences. And what we have to recognize is that in a lot of them, it will change your understanding forever as a follower of Jesus Christ, it will make all the difference in your getting through it because at those moments when we think like this hurts and this is painful and why are we suffering and why am I going through this or why is my church going through this or why is my family going through this? That's when we step back and we say, oh yeah, because we've sought to be faithful and we have been fruitful, but Jesus wants even more fruit from our lives. He wants even more fruit from our lives. So there's always going to be those painful seasons of pruning. But for the branches that bear no fruit, they get cut off and get thrown into the fire. Now, I don't know if that applies to our lives or people or, oh, you know, we, we're, we're not going to unpack all that here on a Sunday morning. But there is the hard truth. There's that hard edge, that dead things, things that bring gangrenous decaying rot to otherwise healthy and living things get cut off, get cast off, get thrown into the fire. And that's a part of these symbols, a part of this story of Christmas. But for us here and now, let's end with this. Let's bring the band up forward. Let's get them ready to lead us out. And as they do, it would be for me pastoral malpractice if I didn't point out the fact that it's not too late for us. <laughs> it's not too late for us who have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to believe that perhaps this is the hour of our turning to God, to our repenting and our accepting that the kingdom of heaven has come near through the birth of this baby born on Christmas morning, that his promise is to keep arriving into the lives of all who call upon him as Savior and Lord that his promises to arrive in us when we turn our lives toward him and we confess our sins and we call upon him and we invite him to be our Lord and Savior. And if that is a prayer that you want to make for the first time, we definitely want to talk to you about being baptized here at Connections Church. But if that is a prayer that you've prayed, don't feel the need to, you know, like go there again. But maybe the season for you now is to go into that deeper time of bearing fruit and to examine your life in these weeks leading up to Christmas. Christmas, Advent is actually a time of repentance and reflection. And to say, what do I need to cut out from my own personal life that is no longer bearing fruit and bringing glory to God? What do I need to cut out maybe from my household, from my relationship with my spouse that can prepare the way for the Lord and grow more fruit in my life? What can I do in the midst of raising these children so that we can be a more fruitful household to know and love and glorify God in all we say and all we do? How can we become more fruitful as a family for God? How can I be more fruitful in my work where I'm spending, you know, 40 plus hours a week? How can I be more fruitful in how I 
work with my coworkers, or how I lead those who work for me, or how I work for the person who is overseeing my work. How can I be preparing the way and bearing fruit this season? And so this is the invitation. I'm going to say a prayer, and you can pray it with me. And if, again, if you prayed it a hundred times, great. You can keep praying it. But if you're praying it for the first time, we, we definitely want to talk to you about making that step of baptism on December 18th here at Connections Church. And this is that simple prayer of repentance and giving our lives to Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we recognize now, perhaps in a more deep way, what this Christmas season really means. It's not just trees and manger scenes and, and stars and stories of angels in ancient times, but it's a story about how you arrived in fulfillment of the promise to be Emmanuel, to be with us. I mean, that is Christmas. That is the Bible. That is you. You want to be with us. And now, hearing this truth, I'm saying, Lord, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. I confess my sin to you. I call on you to be my Savior. And I want to live for you as the Lord of my life. And so, Jesus, prune away every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit. Prune away in me every dead branch, Lord, so that I might live to glorify you in all of my life. I pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.